The following podcast is going to contain spoilers along with me, just a regular guy, talking about all the things I love, such as comics, movies, television, music, and books. So yeah, proceed at your own risk. to another episode of Just Another Fanboy. I'm your host, Steven, and here we are once again getting ready to dive into that lake, that ocean that is ElfQuest. With issue number six, this came out, I believe, in 1980. And this is the big one, folks, because if you look at the cover, if you look at the original cover for the Warp Graphics original release, issue number six, it says right on the cover, the quest begins. So everything to this point has been setting it all up, getting ready, getting all the players in place, setting things in motion. And now we're going to do some questing. We're going to get out there and quest with some elves. The issue opens with Sava, the mother of memory over in the Sunfolk village. That's where we're at now. Remember, we're hanging with the Sunfolk. She is chilling In that place where she chills, apparently she never sleeps. It says right there at the beginning that she never sleeps. Every time we see her, she's just sitting in her chair. That's got to be kind of a boring life after a while, don't you think? Just sitting in a chair all the time, not sleeping. What else does she do? Well, we're about to learn. She likes to leave her body spiritually, kind of like Dr. Strange used to do with his astral form, except for I don't think anybody can see her when she leaves her body, but she's out there on her own little quest. She likes to go out there and journey and just see what's out there in the world. But this time she's out there and she encounters something unknown and it scares her a bit and it draws her back into herself. From there, it's nighttime. We see a little boy, a little boy elf. He's waiting among the rocks outside of Sorrow's End where the Sunfolk live, the Sunfolk village. He's waiting for his father to return from the hunt. His father comes through the rocks, and it's Cutter, the chief of the Wolf Riders, is his father. In this issue, we've jumped ahead seven years. Between issues five and six, we've jumped ahead seven years. And so here we meet Cutter's son. His name is Suntop. He's blonde, just like Cutter. And he's waiting for his dad. His dad comes rolling in on his wolf, Night Runner, from the hunt. He's got some rabbits. And they make mention of Suntop's sister, And out of nowhere, she pounces on him from behind some rocks or something. Her name is Ember. Suntop and Ember are twins. They were born five years ago to Cutter and his life mate, Lita. So apparently, based on the way issue five ended, these two, these two, uh, well, in the human world, they will have become husband and wife, or they have become. That's what I meant. So another big change between issue five and six is that Cutter's wolf, Night Runner, he's no longer the... The, the head wolf of the pack. He doesn't even hang out with them anymore. And the hunt that they were going on was more for Night Runner than Cutter. The, the, the rabbits that they got are for Night Runner. We also learn here in this opening scene that while Ember takes after her father, Suntop is not a warrior. He has got some type of magic 
in him. He can sense magic. We don't know the full extent of his abilities, but Ember will be the one to take over for Cutter as the chief of the Wolf Riders once Cutter is gone. And at one point, they're standing around, they're all talking, and a scorpion comes climbing onto Suntop's foot, or as they call it, a poison tail. Cutter tells the boy to be quiet, to be still. He unsheathes his sword, New Moon, thinking to himself, just one quick swipe, because if that scorpion stings my boy, my boy might die. But then a knife comes flying out of the darkness, and it knocks the scorpion off of the boy's foot, and the scorpion goes rolling off into the night. Yipe, 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 yipe. The dagger, the knife, was thrown by Lita. So Lita's really embraced this whole wolf rider thing. She's not a savage barbarian like the rest of them, but apparently Cutter has been teaching her how to use a knife, and she's using it rather well. So together they all head back into the Sunfolk village. There is a big, like, entryway. It's like a wall of cacti, just these cacti that have been grown magically by Red Lance. If you remember the previous issue, we learned that Red Lance can control plants and help make them grow. Well, he has shaped these cacti into very odd shapes, twistings and turnings, and, you know, very artistic, very flowing. And he's created this kind of wall in front of the Sunfolk village, and you've got to go through, you got to walk through the cactus. The cacti to get into the village. And, and that's when we learn about Suntop. They kind of use this as a, as a way for us to learn as they're walking into the village that he can sense the magic that was used to create or to shape these cacti. They get into the village and apparently the, the children, the two, the twins, they're being rather loud from one of the nearby huts. Lita's sister, Shen Shen, shouts at them to be quiet. She was a big supporter of Cutter at first when Cutter came around. We learned that she didn't like the guy anymore because apparently when Lita was giving birth to the twins, it's a custom within the Sunfolk village that the, the father is not to be around. It's it, it's unseemly. And so she wouldn't let him into the hut and then he draws his sword on her. And he basically just, he in so many words, threatens to cut her down if she doesn't let him in. And so he was there to witness the birth of his children. But since then, she's not, a she's not, uh, you know, she's not, She's not been a big fan. From there, we move on to Strongbow teaching his son how to use. It's not a bow. Strongbow uses a bow. That's why they call him Strongbow. He's an archer. He's he's one of the best. His son, Dart, is using a, they call it an arrow whip. It's like a stick with a string on the top of it. You hold the stick at the bottom. You hook the arrow to the string at the top. You pull it back. The, the stick bends back, and then you let it go, and it whips out and launches the launches the arrow. He's he's shooting at a bird. He misses it. Strongbow is, is teaching him. Strongbow only talks through sending. Sending is the way that the elves communicate to each other telepathically. He never talks out loud. He only uses sending. And as he's talking to his son, his son kind of stops. He senses something. Strongbow takes this seriously. He's, he's like, why are you hesitating? He's like, I don't know. There's something in the air. And Strongbow stops and he sniffs and he smells something familiar. His wolf, Briar String, also senses something. He begins to growl. Strongbow jumps up onto a rock to look out upon the desert landscape, sees something that we can't. We don't know what he's seeing, but he's obviously very angered by it. They followed us, he sends. Break their bones and skin them raw. They found us. Strongbow has always been one of my favorites. He's kind of like, I mean, really, he's kind of like the uh, 
I don't want to say, well, good Lord, how do I say this? You know, he's the strong, silent type. He never speaks out loud. He only talks through his through his thoughts. He's the archer. I always thought he was pretty dope. Strongbow is always my dude. Meanwhile, Skywise is making some time with one of the Sunfolk ladies out in the field. They're uh, just about to become lovers in the nighttime because it is nighttime and they're making out in this field when the wolves start howling. Skywise is very surprised by this because it's a particular kind of howl. It's what the wolves used to do. They would howl a certain way back when they lived in the forest, when they lived in their home that they called the Holt. They would howl this way to warn them of a particular danger, not just danger in general, a certain danger. And it freaks Skywise out and he runs off to grab Cutter. He finds Cutter and Cutter's like, I know, I hear him too, duh. Come on, they're wolves, they're howling. Let's go check it out. And he tells Lita, he looks at her and he says, look, you need to stay here with our cubs. That's what they call their children. You need to stay here with our cubs and you guard them like a she-wolf. You guard them till your last breath. And so she's like, what the frick's going on? And we find out that humans have come to sorrow's end. There are a small group of humans outside the village in the desert. They're surrounded by wolves. There are four of them, a man, a woman, their son, and then a, a, a frail human, another male. He's clinging to the back of a horse. They have one horse among them, and he's clinging to the horse as if it's taking all his strength to do so. So obviously this dude's sick. So the wolves come upon these rocks surrounding them. They've all got their bows, and uh, they're ready to take out the humans. But Red Lance wants to hear their story. Red Lance, if you remember the very first issue, it all started with the Wolf Riders rescuing an elf who had been captured by the humans, was being tortured, and was going to be sacrificed to their god. That was Red Lance. So these wolves, the Wolf Riders are ready to, to shoot him down. And Red Lance says, wait, I want to hear their story. I think I deserve that. He says, when the humans took me and they tied me to that rock and they beat me, I asked them over and over, why? Why were they doing this? And they never, never answered. And I want to know, why did they hate us so much? And the humans, the, the, the male human, not the one on the horse, the other one. The one on, a ho on the horse, I guess, is his brother. So basically, they, they tell the story. They were, they were part of the same tribe that captured Red Lance, their, their chief or their witch doctor, or whatever you want to call him. He's the one that burned the forest down. He said they, they suffered just as much as they did. They all went out and floated in, on logs on the lake until the flames died. They were the only ones left, he and his wife and his son and his brother. They traveled. They found another village. They were welcomed. But then his brother started acting crazy. Apparently, his brother went insane. In the book, they, were, they, they say he was touched by a demon. And so they were kicked out of the village, and they've been traveling again. And then this is, this is where they ended up. And they exp he explains to the, to the elves that the world of two moons, the planet that they live on, is their, it's their world. It's not the, the, the elves are visitors. They came down in the palace. They're not supposed to be here. This world belongs to the humans, not to the elves. And it's because of that. That's why they hate them, because these elves come down with their magic and they shape the trees and they, you know, these pockets of magic create monsters that hunt and kill the, the humans. And that's when Cutter finally understands. He just always assumed that, I don't know, I guess he didn't really understand how deep, how deeply the hatred just lay within the humans. 
what their hatred was based on. And it all comes down to the fact that the humans think that the elves do not belong in their world, that they are not welcome. And it's their job to exterminate the elven race. So as the humans are telling the story at one point, one of the elves, we haven't really talked about him too much. His name is Woodlock. He is a, uh, they refer to him as life bearer because he has this, uh, he and his lady rain song apparently have, they've, uh, they've produced quite a number of kids and they're very, it's like, that's their job to, to, to have children. He's very kind and gentle. He's not really much of a warrior, but he, at this point, he's like, look, we need to kill these freaking humans. Just say the command already, Cutter. I'm ready to, to shoot him down. And it's Red Lance at this point that's that's like, what's what's going on with you, dude? You used to be like this really kind, gentle, pacifist type of type of guy. And now you're ready to just cut these freaking humans down just just because they're human. And Woodlock, he's all like, yeah, you bet I am, man. I'm ready to kill. I'm ready to, to, to bathe in their blood. And so Redland says, okay, well, why don't you take the first shot? Matter of fact, why don't you shoot down the child? And Woodlock's like, I will. I, I will shoot that child. I will kill that kid. You watch me. Just step back. Hold my beer. And he draws an arrow and he pulls back the string and he lets loose and the arrow misses the child. And Woodlock crouches down and Red Lance is like, it's okay, man. It's okay. And Woodlock is just really sad at this point because this is not who he is, but he promised his his lady friend, his his wife, he promised Rainsong that they would be safe from the humans. They'd never have to worry about him again. And yet here they are, seven years later, they cannot escape these humans. And it's at this point, the human who was on the horse, the guy that had gone insane, the brother, he just, he falls off the horse dead. And Cutter standing there, looking down at these humans gathered about their dead companion. And you can see there's these really great one, two, three, four, five different panels where he's just, he's fighting with himself. And finally he decides to let him go. Strongbow is pissed. Cutter lets the humans go and Strongbow is pissed. He gets all up in Cutter's face. He's like, you're stupid. How could you do this? These are humans, you big stupid. And so then they start to battle. They have this sending battle. It's almost like a, a battle of power. And if Strongbow wins, he'll become the chief of the Wolf Riders. But of course, Cutter wins because, you know, he's a BA. And he explains to the rest of them, look, killing them wouldn't have made any difference. It's obvious that there are just humans all over the freaking place. We're never going to find a, sp we're never going to find a place where we are completely safe from them. More will come. This is just the first. And Woodlock asks, is there no place that's safe for us? Not even Sorrow's End. And Cutter realizes there has to be an answer to that. There has to be. And so he goes to see Sava. They go and they talk to Sava and she doesn't, Basically, he just wants to know, look, there's obviously more elves in this world. We thought we were the only ones. You thought you were the only ones. It's, it's obvious that, that there, that we were not the only ones because here we are. So there has to be more. There has to be more elves in this world. Do you know where they might be? And she's like, nah, not really. I mean, I go out in my spirit form looking for them and I'm, I'm not finding any, but yeah, there, there's gotta be there. I'm sure there is. Because Cutter believes at this point that, look, it's obvious there are more humans than elves. The, these humans that came to the village, that was an accident, but they're not going to be the last. And 
at some point, more are going to come. And the only way that we're going to be able to survive is if we all band together. There has to be more elves out there. I have to find them. And we all have to come together to protect or to protect each other. And she says, that's true. You're, that's probably a really good idea. You're right. Um, again, I've gone out and I've looked in my spirit form. I haven't found any, but maybe a more direct approach is what's needed. And that's when he makes his decision. He's going to leave Sorrow's End. He's going to go out on his own and he's going to look for more elves. This is the quest. This is where the quest begins. And so he gathers up the wolf riders and he explains to them what he's going to do. And he tells them, I'm going by myself. Nobody's coming with me. Of course, he talks to Lita about it first, you know, and she agrees with him that he has to do this. She doesn't like it. But the fact that the elves live for so long, it's not like he's, he's you know, he might be away for a few years, but that's a blink of an eye in the life of an elf. And so while he's talking to the wolf riders and telling them what he's going to do, what he's planning on and how, you know, they're going to be okay without him. Stay here. Um... Some of the wolf riders say, look, if you're going to go, we're going to go too. We, we, we're, we're, we only came here because we needed a refuge. We're ready to, to find our own place. And he's like, no, that's, that's not the point. We all have to stick together. And if I'm going to go and I'm going to find more elves, I need to know that you're still here. When I start gathering all of us together, I need to, I don't want to then have to go out and look for where you're at. Well, during this whole meeting, Lita steals Skywise away. She whispers in his ear and they go walking off. And then Cutter gathers up all his stuff, gets a bunch of supplies. He He's going to ride a Zwoot, which is one of these big horse camel things. Night Runner, his wolf, will be coming along with him, but he's not going to ride Night Runner through the desert. The wolf is old as it is, and really, now that they have Zwoots, there's no point. And so as he's leaving the village, here comes Skywise with his own Zwoot all packed down. And Cutter's like, oh, are you finally here to tell me goodbye? And he's like, no, I'm coming with you. Cutter says, no, you're not coming with me. Did you not hear me in that meeting? I'm going by myself. You're staying here. And Cutter says, yeah, but I promised Lita I'd go with you. And frankly, if I'm going to piss anybody off, I'd rather it be you because she scares me more. And Cutter's just, Cutter's just like, yeah, good point, my friend. And so they head off across the desert and he asks Skywise, he goes, hey, if we follow the lodestone in the opposite direction, Will we get back to the tunnel that we came out of, the troll tunnel? And Skywise says, well, I don't see why not. It only points in the one direction, you know, north and south. And we, we went the one direction getting here. It just makes sense that if we went the opposite direction, we'd, we'd wind up in the same spot. And sure enough, they do. They end up at the big wall, the big cliffs that they're at the bottom of. And they find the tunnel entrance and it's been cleared. And Cutter had expected this. He said, I knew, I knew that they would have cleared it by now. They wouldn't just leave it blocked up. They waited until we were long gone, and then the trolls cleared the tunnel so that they could use it again if necessary. And Skywise is a little leery about going back into the troll tunnels. Are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure? You don't know what we're going to encounter in there. And Cutter points up at the wall of rock. Basically, it's a, you either go in the tunnel or you're going to fly hundreds of feet into the air to get over to the top of these cliffs. And Skywise says, oh, yeah, all right, good point. So they go into the tunnels. They eventually reach the home of the trolls, but it appears to have been abandoned for years. There's cobwebs all over, weapons lying around, broken swords, broken shields. It looks like there may have been a battle at one point. They have no idea what happened to the trolls. They just see that they're gone. 
Everything is in disarray and ruin, and it's been like that for a number of years, covered in dust and cobwebs and whatnot. And they're really confused, but they find the front entrance that leads out to, to what where the forest would have been, where their old home, the Holt, was. They open the door, they go out into the forest, and they find just nothing but blackened stumps. Nothing has grown back, really, at this point. Just charred, blackened stumps of what was once a great forest. And as they're standing there with the door behind them, which the door, it's kind of like the, 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 the door to a hobbit hole. It's a big mound of earth behind them with a round door. And as they're standing there deciding what to do next, you see two shadowy figures on this mound behind them above the door about to pounce. And that's, that's where the issue ends. Now, this issue here, I think I explained when I first did the first episode, ElfQuest Part 1, that when I got into ElfQuest, I didn't get into it from the beginning. This book suddenly appeared at the house. I'm sure my older brother bought it. It was, at one point, the original Quest back in the 80s was collected into these four full-color volumes. They were, the original comic, the original Quest, was originally put out in 20 magazine-sized issues, black and white issues. And then they were collected into these four, also magazine-sized, four volumes, full color. And we somehow ended up with the second one first. That's the first one we ended up with was the second one. And this issue is where that second volume starts. So this issue right here, this was my entrance into ElfQuest. And it it makes sense. I didn't need to know all the stuff that had happened before, really, to get to this point. This is a good jumping on point for ElfQuest, is this issue right here. Now, eventually, we did end up getting volume one, and I read it and got caught up, and and uh, the the story became even greater to me at that point. But I'm pretty sure I had read volume two and three before I read volume one. So this issue will always hold kind of a special place in my heart because this is where I first jumped in on ElfQuest. So for me, jumping into ElfQuest, when I started with it, Cutter and Lita were already get together. They had their kids and they were just right away setting out upon their quest. So it was kind of weird. So, you know, for it was kind of weird that it's just, here's Cutter, here's his family. Humans are the enemy. And right away, he's setting out on a quest. They mentioned trolls. We don't see any at first. And this old home. So it was kind of neat. It, it is, it really is not a, uh, you know, a lot of times now you, you read a story and you start the story, the, the, the author will start the story in the middle. Or sometimes even started at the end. And then as they're telling the story, they'll catch you up with flashbacks and, and all that junk. And that was almost, well, there weren't any real flashbacks at this point, but I, I was coming into the middle of the story, but it didn't, issue number six doesn't start off from a cliffhanger. You know, the first volume, issues one through five, tell a complete story. Issue six starts a whole new story, but they all tie in together. But I guess what I'm trying to say is this is the story as far as just really pouring over ElfQuest and really spending a lot of time with it and rereading the stories over and over and over again. I probably read volume two, three, four, five times before I'd even picked up, before I'd even known, before I'd even seen a volume one. So this is the stuff that I am way more familiar with, way more I have more intimate knowledge of this stuff going forward than I did of volume one, 
I guess you could say. And for me, really, this is when the story really opens up. This is where the world just kind of blows up and you get a lot of really good stuff going forward. You got a lot of good stuff in the first five issues, but coming into it with, you know, right here in this story for the first time, volume one to me has always felt kind of eh, kind of like a prologue, basically. I'm sure had I started with the issue number one from the beginning, I'd feel a lot different about those first five issues. But for me, it's always been this is where the story really begins, because for me, that's where the story did begin. And like I said, the the world is really going to start to open up. We're going to start to just really meet some interesting characters. I'll just say that. And again, the art is top notch. I think I read at this point that these issues were coming out because issue one came out in 78 and this issue six came out in 1980. And I think they were just releasing three or four issues a year. That's got to hurt. That's got to be hard to follow along with a book that's only coming out every few, you know, three or four months, every three to four months. That's got to that's got to be rough. But it did allow them to really craft something beautiful. The art, again, top notch. I would definitely recommend this book to anybody, especially if you're into kind of a sci-fi fantasy type of story. If, if you like books like Lord of the Rings, um, Dragonlance, Dungeons and Dragons, that kind of stuff, ElfQuest would probably be right up your street. I know some people have a hard time with it because it does, like I said, it does slightly have a, a Disney-esque look to it. These These elves are short in stature. They've got big eyes. They're all just, you know, really good looking. And uh, I don't want to use the word cute, but I could see how some people could look at the book and go, oh, well, that's cute. Those elves are cute. They're adorable. They're adorable elves. Yeah, but they also carry knives and they'll cut your head off. So be aware of that. But that was issue number six, folks. Really good stuff in this issue. Even better stuff coming. I'm super pumped to keep going. I'm probably going to say that every single episode. I'm super pumped. I can't wait to read more. But really, I can't. The original quest was some great stuff. It was a great epic story. And I don't want to talk about it anymore because I'll talk about it when I get to those issues. Deal? Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, I'd appreciate it if you'd go to wherever you got the podcast. If they have an option there on your podcast catcher to rate the show or to, just to rate the podcast in general, please do so. If you're on Apple Podcasts, for example, give me a star. Well, give me five stars. That would be best. But rate the show. The more ratings I get, the higher up in the algorithm I get, the more people will see the show. That is probably the single best way that you as an individual can support this show. If you're listening to the show on YouTube, like the episode, like it, hit that little like button, because again, it moves it up in the algorithm. It makes it easier for people to just stumble upon. I would certainly appreciate it. You'd be doing me a huge favor. It's a great way to support the show. If you're listening to my episodes every week and you're thinking to yourself, I want to help this guy out. Sure, he's got a Patreon. I could join his Patreon for just a dollar a month and also get a whole other podcast called My Other Podcast. I could do that, but I don't really have the money to do that. I don't have the, 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 the money to just throw around willy-nilly. We'll go back to that podcasting service where you got this show. Go back to Apple Podcasts, rate the show, Google Podcasts, wherever. If there's not a way to rate it, like Spotify, for example, there doesn't seem to be a way that I can find out where you can rate the show. Fine, share the episode. There's a little share button. Share it, go out on Twitter, share the episode. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your dog. Don't tell your dog. Your dog's not going to care. 
Are you a member of a Discord server in which you guys talk about nerdy things? Recommend the show. Are you on a message board or or do you go to Reddit or are you on Twitter talking about nerdy stuff with all your nerdy friends like me? Tell them about it. Point them in my direction. I would appreciate it. Until then, my name is Steven and I'm just another fanboy. Be nice to each other. Stay safe. Wear a mask. We're going to get through this. I promise you. Just Another Fanboy is a Stephen or Else production. Questions and comments can be directed to feedback at stephenorelse.com. You can support the show for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash stephenrorse and get instant access to the My Other Podcast podcast, a weekly show about all the comics and such I don't have time to talk about here. You can find me on the World Wide Web at stephenorelse.com or find me at Twitter and Instagram by searching for at Stephen or else. I also encourage you to subscribe to the show, leave us a five-star review, and share this episode with a friend. Just Another Fanboy is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can find that over at comicspodcasts.com. All links will be in the show notes. Good job. Ooh.